Hey, Josh Filber here with Making Bank. I'm glad you tuned in today for this episode. If you've thought about how should I invest my money, what should I be doing, how am I making decisions on my investments emotionally, through data, through research, however that is, today's guest is going to be able to give you those insights, what you should be looking at, how you should be doing it, and really start to help you get your investment strategies, making sure they're sound and also growing for what you need. So make sure you tune in today's episode of Making Bank. And guys, I appreciate your time and your attention watching the show. I really appreciate it. If you don't mind liking and sharing, loving this video, send it to somebody that you know could benefit from this show, as well as uh, comment below. Guests love to see the comments so they can come back and respond and help you out. And again, I really appreciate your time today and thank you for watching Making Bank. You are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super excited for today's guest. Brad Barrett is the managing director and partner at One Capital Management, a private wealth advisory firm managing over $5 billion in assets. With nearly over 20 years of experience in the financial service industry, he is passionate about finding new ways to educate investors. He's having the heart of a teacher. He shares his knowledge and his experience through his weekly YouTube podcast and radio show, Make Your Money Matter. His show aims to change the way people think about financial advice so they can make better decisions with their money. So I'm super excited to welcome Brad Barrett to Making Bank. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so excited to uh, dive in and uh, see what we can uh, help people with. But I guess... Kind of give me a little bit of background. What got you started? Did you start as a kid as an entrepreneur or is this something that just happened later in life? Would kind of give us that little insight? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny, honestly. And I love listening to your show because I hearing all the backgrounds from people and just everything. And for me, it's interesting because like I, I kind of joke with some people sometimes, like I've never flipped a burger before. <laughs> so, you know, when I was 16 years old, something cathartic happened in my life. My my father had worked for a company for like 20 years. You know, like most people was a company man, you know, invested a lot of his options and just as the growth of the company and, and the acquisitions were happening into stock options. And long story short, the company went bankrupt. Uh, I went from like mm. a $65 stock to like zero in like three days. And um, I was 16 years old, I had two younger sisters. You know, it's just one of those things in life where I, I still to this day, Josh, I don't even know what I, I kind of blacked out and I walked into a bank and I was just like, hey, I, I want a job. And, and I remember at that time, honestly, God kind of touched my heart where it was like, I wanted to learn two things, right? I wanted to learn everything I possibly could about money so that what I just experienced through my dad, who I looked up to, right, didn't happen to me. Mm. And then I think at that same time, God was like, this is what I want you to do with your life. And so... 16 years old, I'm a teller at Washington Mutual, God rest its soul, another company that decided to go under, right? So I just, you know, it's like, and so um, never looked back and started my practice as an advisor when I was in college, uh, getting my economics degree. And, um, you know, 19 years later, here I am and uh, <laughs> joined One Capital Management about 13 years ago. At the time, there was like seven of us. It was about, we had about 560 million or so under asset center management with clients. Okay. And we grew that in the past 10 years to just over 5 billion. So it's been quite a ride and went from seven people to 90. 
So there's plenty of stories wow. there with the acquisition models and just, you know, building a company and as a financial advisor, we're, our main role is being a financial advisor, but we're also business owners. So we had to kind of adapt to those, those transitions. And um, so that's the, the quick and down and dirty background into how I'm here today. <laughs> no, that's awesome. What, uh, so, I mean, obviously being around financial wealth and investing and working with a lot of high net worth individuals and stuff, where do you see, I guess, the challenge or the uh, people have that investing their money or what do they, what, like, what do they get wrong? Or like, I guess, how are they looking at it where they should be looking at it a different way? Their emotions, their mindset. I mean, I, I've been doing this so long and, and I'll say that I've been in front of people and have clients who have zeros behind their names that you and I can't even count, you know, kind of thing. And, and guys who have one or two. And, and what I will right. share is the difference is it's not that that person with multiple zeros behind that their name or, or in their account had some, you know, get rich quick scheme strategy or something like that. This was tried and true discipline for the most part that I see, you know, it's, and, and it's also the willingness to understand that failure and pain is actually a really good teacher. And, mm. you know, we have clients across, you know, the United States over 2000 or so and, and different aspects of life, whether they're athletes, business owners, we have you know, a whole retirement plan solutions platform dealing with corporate services. And that's where I kind of see a lot of the entrepreneurials that I know you speak to a lot, Josh. And, and just, you know, I would say this is like, and I say this a lot on our show as well. It's like, it's, it's where you put your zeros. You know, it's like, you know, having wealth or worth or whatever that, whatever term you want to use in the investing or money world, it's kind of where you put your zeros. Like I have some clients who just want to put their zeros in zero regrets. Like they want to live life to the fullest and they want to have that happy marriage between making a money that can, you know, support their lifestyle, but they're not trying to go and reinvest back into a, a company or an endeavor or an entrepreneurial aspect. And I think as advisors, we need to honor that. And so we tailor a plan to that person. Essentially, we meet their needs and we kind of meet them kneecap to kneecap or nowadays via Zoom sometimes, right? And just kind of meet where they're at. And so I think, I think psychology to your direct question is one of the things I notice a lot that, that plays into how we look at money. And for anyone watching or listening, I mean, I don't care if you're investing, you're in a business and a 401k, whatever it might be, there's two D's that I talk about all the time, discipline and discernment. And if you hold those true, you'll be fine, really. You know, and the whole thing is, you know, just try not to look over the fence too much. You know, comparison's the thief of joy, right? So you just don't want to get trapped <laughs> right. in those kind of mental constraints, if you will. What do you see that the people like Elon Musk or you know other billionaires or multimillionaires, what are they doing different from an investment standpoint that might be like the person that was working for a company making 100K a year, has their 401K and that kind of a thing? They're betting on themselves. Okay. Right? I mean, I mean... It's a good, it's a great question, a good discussion, right? Take Elon, it's a great example. I mean, he went from the small startup tech company he created to PayPal, went from PayPal to, you know, I think it was either Tesla or SpaceX. But every mm -hmm. time he invented something, created something, he reinvested almost tenfold into the new thing. You know, and I think a lot of times when you look at entrepreneurs, I, you know, there was an old statement that I, I heard a long time ago that I loved. It's right, if you're not willing to fail at something for five years, making no money at it, don't even start it. Mm, yeah. Right. I mean, and I, and I always thought early on, I'm like, that's pretty aggressive. That's kind of, you know, <laughs> geez, right. It kind of cheers you away from a lot of things, but being a business owner myself, having other endeavors I've done as well. And obviously mainly being an advisor with my clients, the ones that are successful back to your original question, which is good. I've noticed that they didn't necessarily go into it to go and make millions and billions. It was the idea that there was the, 
it was the love of the game that was important to them. And so I think someone like an Elon, which is a great example, I, I, I've never talked to him before, but if I did, I would argue that he likely is just absolutely infatuated with the love of creating versus consuming. And I think when, you know, you, 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 for a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we're usually doing something to have the ability to then consume something, which again, is not a bad thing. Sure. But you know, for someone like him, who's been uber successful by many standards, he just fall, he fell in love with the, the process, not the ultimate goal. And I think that's, we can use a lot of that for our own wealth building, right? I mean, if we fall yeah. in love with investing in our 401k every two weeks, as not sexy as that is, <laughs> it'll build. If you can fall in love with, you know, living within your means, not spending over what you make, again, as not sexy as it is, guess what? It works. And so I think there's a lot of, we look at the, like the iceberg theory, right? I mean, I'm sure you talk about, you know, it's like yeah. everyone sees the top part, the glamorous part, oh, he's got billion, whatever, right? High net worth, whatever you want to call it. But they're missing the whole 80% of it below the water, you know? And I think there's a lot to be, a lot to see from that. Yeah, it's, and that's so true. I mean, is we got to look at where, you know, where all the hard work is coming from. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's that's what's taking it to build it and to, you know, build in what you're actually seeing right. on a daily basis um, from the outside. Right. Um, it's overall. So comment on those kind of things, right? Oh, someone's successful or you see that kind of stuff. And, and, and they are, but it's like, if, if someone's looking at that, you're always daydreaming. You're never actually activating them. Right. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times it's just taking that first step. I know how, <laughs> trust me, I, I, we were planning on talking about this one today, but it's like, I, I know how elementary that sounds, but it's kind of like, the old saying, like Alexander Graham Bell, I think said it right. It's the difference between success and failure is taking action. I mean, there's nothing more complicated than that, right? And um, I think that matters. So whatever endeavor someone's looking at doing, whether it's investing, building wealth, paying debt off, uh, make, starting, creating, building a company, it's taking that first step. It's, it matters. Yeah, for sure. Like I've had other people, I uh, had a great tax advisor on the show. Um, he works with a lot of the uh, high net worth and, and figure out how to bring tax strategies into play to reduce that 30% down to, you know, 5% and things. Yeah. Where are the wealthiest people putting their money today? Is it, you know, uh, treasury? Is it real estate? Is it investing in other companies? Like what should we start to, you know, look? Cause obviously with the way the market conditions have been and, and the yeah. trends and things like that, you know, at the risk of, and I'm not asking for financial advice. Just so no, 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 I just, know. I mean, just, I, I, yeah, obviously, yeah. anything I'm saying here, I would say very, very clearly. Make sure you seek counsel and for your own specific, right. you know, <laughs> you know, stuff going on. But, but I love the question, and I'd answer it this way actually, which has nothing to do with advice so much so as it's it's relative, right? I mean, if you were to take someone like when we do a plan, when we sit and do a discovery meeting with a client, which I have in a couple hours with a, with a new client, right? The discovery meeting I'm going to do today is going to be different than the discovery I meet did two days ago with another client because it's an art, not a science, right? And so sure. when we're building a plan or I'm designing a wealth forecast for a client, which is what the client's asking us to do. And we then implement the investment strategy inside of that. It's, it's again, it's an art, not a science. So to answer kind of where the ultra high net worth or high net worth individuals are placing their money, I would actually argue and say, okay, they might be placing it in treasuries right now. Cause you're going to go get four and a half and 4.75% yield right now, given where the 10 years at, obviously, 
I think the notion of people thinking that the yields are going to fall precipitously as much as they rose, I think is a fallacy. I think we're going to see it slower than most people think. But again, I'm what do I know, right? <laughs> but at the same time, you know, we've been shocked all along this way. At the, you know, it's a yeah. historic rise in interest rates. So I think cash positions right now are a place that a lot of people are looking. In fact, I had a conversation with a client earlier today, a, a bigger client of mine who was doing some cash related planning. And we're doing a lot more of that for our clients. Um, because the fact of the matter is, and I think any good advisor who someone's working with right now should be bringing this up if they haven't already, you know, probably 85% of my career has been at artificially low interest rates with banks paying us nothing. And what happened over the past 15 months is they're actually now paying us. So I think we all tend to get not content, I would say, but complacent in that, oh, we're just used to banks not paying us anything because it's been that way for so long. Right. Well, enter an advisor saying, hey, that's actually not the case anymore. We need to do some cash management now, maybe above and beyond your emergency fund, which is usually three to six months of overhead. If you're in cash right now over your emergency fund scenario, cash management's a great play. I know a lot of clients that we're looking at that that span the spectrum of wealth are looking there. I also think that you know, what we saw last year through some volatility, uh, market disruption, things like that, you know, they were dollar cost averaging. And I think everyone should continue that. I think there's some really key elements to that. I understand that, again, back to our original conversation a couple of minutes ago, that emotions play a lot in this, but be careful what the mind tells you, right? The mind's telling you, oh, the market's going down, so you need to fear, fear, fear. And what I'm trying to share people like, I'm not saying just go invest across the board, but there's definitely some positions that have come down that likely aren't fundamentally true, right? Maybe it's a you know, uh, CEO had a mistress kind of thing, or they are getting hit. I mean, it could be anything, right? It could be any sure. black swan events in economics. Yeah. And it could be anything. And so a good advisor or someone who's going to invest for you or with you is going to look and find under the hood, if you will, you know, some of the positions that are down, but aren't down that are good buys because there are those. Yeah, no, and that's interesting too, because I know our team was saying <clears throat> cash management positions and, you know, the more you can kind of put put there right now, one, because you're getting paid, but two, because of the op buy opportunities and stuff that are going to be coming into play in the, you yeah. know, in the short term. So, and, they, and we've been seeing that for the past little while. I mean, you know, for a lot of our clients, and we do got dollar cost averaging approaches, which is kind of buying throughout the volatility, um, you're able to average out your prices, right? And you, you get less... Like I've always said, right, it's, and this is a common statement, but it's not about market timing, but time in the market. And so the more you kind of keep to that discipline, the more you'll start seeing it bear fruit over time. And I know, obviously, the big saying, and we have it disclosed everywhere on our stuff, that past performance doesn't reflect future gains, but you can glean a lot from historical discussions. Um, with sure. The markets. We all can see that. So, You know, you kind of mentioned emotion and and kind of way people are looking at things from a psychological perspective about money. I mean, how, how should we have a, uh, you know, direction with that? And I guess what's the best outlook on that? You know, I'd say it's funny. My, my theory has really come from experience around the emotions we all bring into money. Um, <laughs> and, and I've seen it left and right. And most of my clients, if, if, if they were here with us, they would call me like a, almost a financial therapist because it's really, it's really almost like, and, and I use it too, like Veronica and I, my wife and I, we, we have an advisor here at our firm because I show this with clients, like, even though I like to think I know what I'm doing, you know, and I understand markets and I'm a good investor, I, I do it for clients all across the board. 
I'm still a human being with emotions just like you. Mm, right. So I think the first notion is to be honest with yourself and be like, look, and, and I think a lot of people think, oh, financial advisors, they just want you know to manage your assets and don't do the DIY model of do it yourself. I'm all for that. I don't care. I just want you to continually invest and build your wealth, build a discipline around it. But like a lot of things in life, you need that accountability partner. You need that, that, that someone, that co-pilot, if you will, to kind of like work through with you some of the emotions and, you know, kind of talk through, sure. hey, I'm feeling this way. And it's kind of like, why? Did you read some social media posts? Did you have some discussion at a, at a barbecue about something? You know, there's some fear going on. It, it tends to, money is an interesting taboo subject matter that tends to um, hit some of our insecurities I've noticed with clients. So if you're feeling down about something you've got in your life somewhere else, a concept or a topic about money will likely kind of filter in there and then make you do decisions that you wouldn't have normally done before, whether that's going crazy and splurging. A lot of times we see that buying an investment that you haven't really researched, pulling out of the market, right? Because of fear that's setting in. And there's really, you know, Josh, if you, if you look at it, right, there's, there's, there's two forms of behavioral DNA that we all have. And I think it carries into money, right? There's the God-given. It's no different than the color of our eyes, right? It's who we are. By yep. the way, this plays in the whole nurture nature thing, right? So it's the God-given, like who we are. And then it's the circumstantial, like the stuff you've lived through. You know, if I, if I have a discovery meeting with a client, and a lot of my conversations and my questions have to do with where they've come from their relationship to money. If they were raised with money with a silver spoon, they're going to have a different contextual argument around money than say someone who grew up on food stamps. Sure. Right? And I think that's important to just honor and just say, look, you are who you are. And I want to make sure that we can adjust your investments with that. But I also say with people like the more you know about you, as you get into something as important about investing, I think the more success you're going to have. Right. I mean, it's like you're working with your best asset, which is you. And the more you know that and say, okay, if some if some subject matter comes up on this, I'll likely get disrupted because I have a, a preconceived notion towards that. So I need someone to check me on that kind of thing. And there's just a lot of things like that that you work through when it comes to, uh, yeah, the emotions of money. And it's recently I just saw um, I don't know if, I don't know what it was on it was social media or something. And I saw like a quick commercial thing or some guy influencer or whatever. I mean, I don't think he was above age of 30, let alone, I don't know why he was talking about money or what his success was. So I have no background on this, but he was basically touting that, you know, financial advisors are the devil and do it yourself all the way. Don't pay the fee and look fine. But it was funny before he went into his five things to talk about kind of thing, right? He goes, if you can remove your emotions and he said it so quickly, and then he goes into these five things you'll do, you'll be successful. Right. And I'm like, Whoa, wait a minute. You just like glanced over probably the thing you should be talking about the most, which is <laughs> right. how do you remove your emotions? Are you a robot? I mean, yeah, if you're a robot, sure. But you know, you're going to have emotions. You are, it's your money. It's a, it's a, it's a tangible thing that we all relate to good or bad. And I think just to kind of gloss over it like that, I was like, Ooh, I don't know about that. But <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's super important. And one of the things you kind of mentioned was kind of a discipline, whether you're working with a financial advisor, whether you're doing it yourself, what's kind of like that framework look like, you know, from a discipline side of things that we should be looking at or, or kind of adhere to? Well, I think number one, it's like anything you would do, whether it's you're looking to go on a diet or a workout plan. I mean, having someone there to help you, I think, start your discipline, right? It's like it's, like it's the factor between motivation and discipline. Like I call it the coffee buzz. 
everyone can be motivated before 9 a.m. because you've had a couple cup of coffee, you feel good, right? I'm talking about the same conversation at 3 p.m., right? No espresso, no mid-afternoon espresso. Catch my drift? So it's kind of like oh, yeah. it's, it's kind of like this discipline over motivation. And so you want to put some tools in place to help you, right? Um, whether it's a calendar. I mean, there's a lot of, you can go down a lot of rabbit holes on this, right? I speak to the path of the advisor and this is my show or anything I go and talk about is never around Brad Barrett or one capital management as being the place, but it's important to, in a way, debunk some of the fallacy that is like, you can do yourself and you absolutely can, but there is a big empowerment and a pride factor in doing it with a co-pilot. Because to me, I look at that as doing it with, with integrity and intelligence, right? right? If you just go into it saying, I just don't want to pay somebody, which I understand, I get that, but it's like, you got to look at value and, and are you really the best person to be doing that? So when you talk about discipline or the emotional side of it, I think there's a lot of tools and practices you can put in place, um, whether it's setting pro formas for yourself, goal markers you want to hit, being realistic with those things, and then backing it out from 90 days into like today. So by 9am okay. this, 11am this, right? And understanding your weaknesses to say, okay, again, back to my comment a couple of minutes ago, it's like, if I have some key areas that I know I'm not great at, it's like you want to partner to your weaknesses, you know, hold on to your strengths and be open with the person you're going to be working with on any kind of, whether it's a business, you're investing, whatever it might be. You know, I, I don't know of many examples of an entrepreneur who's created something very successful on their own solely. Yeah. I mean, obviously at some point you're going to need somebody to help you along your journey. Um, yeah. you know, whether it's starting a business or, you know, as you grow your business or as you, you know, um, need to expand and scale. So, yeah, I mean, at some point it's the, the whole, the whole team approach. I mean, you, you are better together if you find the right players and the right components, you know, and we've been lucky here at our firm. There's, you know, a few of us partners, we, the, the main four partners have been together for 22 years. I mean, that's somewhat of an anomaly. I mean, we've gone through a lot of growth stages. We lived through 2008 as an investment manager. You know, we've gone through 13, you know, 15, 18, 2020, 2001 when we first got together. I mean, our, our articles of incorporation, Josh, was actually supposed to be September 11th, 2001. We oh, wow. Back the signing of our articles of incorporation simply because of obvious reasons, right? Sure. So, you know, we've, we've seen a lot in our little over 20-year experience and I think we take great pride and I think we take, you know, um, I know there's some luck involved, but I mean, look, luck comes from work. I'm, I will, I will go to my grave saying that I, I yep. believe that. I think the people out there that are saying, oh, there's good fortune and good luck. I think if you looked at any one of us partners, there's, there's a lot of background and a lot of areas that you can see, like those guys weren't supposed to succeed kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. but, oh yeah. Um, luck comes from hard work and the fact that we're all still together, still ticking, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And I think that speaks to just the partnership, you know, having different characters involved, right? It's, uh, it's important. Someone who's good at numbers, someone who's good at relationships, someone who's good at, you know, um, overseeing people. I mean, you want those different strategies in your business to, again, partner to your weaknesses. Yeah, yeah it's uh, super important with that as well as, I guess, how do you figure out or how do you manage kind of those ebbs and flows? So like, you know, obviously 2001, you know, 2008 with the, you know, the real estate market crash and, you know, COVID and things like that. You know, how do you kind of stay ahead of that game and continue to make money, you know, all the time? Well, a lot of it, I think, has to do with 
what you're doing ahead of time. I mean, I, I know I'm going to, I'm going to know I'm going to sound like just the typical advisor here, but it's like, you know, the whole saying is, is no one plans to fail, right? You fail to plan. And so for us going to await, like we, we don't carry debt as a firm. It's been a big theory of ours for, for, you know, a, a long time. Same thing. We've always, we've always believed that what we share with our clients, we should be living as well as individuals, as well as a business. So, I mean, I'm, I'm relating this obviously to our specific industry, no doubt, but right. you know, I think when you, when you, when you go through or account for things that you don't know work, I mean, look, the one thing we know for certain is there's going to be uncertainty, whether in no matter what business you're in, what sector, what industry, there's just going to be stuff you can't plan for. So you sure. plan ahead of time to be ready for those kind of things. This is why you have retained earnings accounts in corporations, right? Not just for taxes or tax planning. This is for just business planning, right? Being able to weather volatility, whether it's in the markets or any other industry. So our success, I can only speak to that is is largely due to what we actually preach which is being pragmatic planners ahead of time again i we, we couldn't have called the great recession or the great financial crisis in 08 we, we no one saw that saw that really yeah. the yes, one the one guy yeah <laughs> for a few right which has been movies made on them and all that kind of stuff so yeah there's, yeah. there's oracles out there sure um you know but we're we're no different than the person we invest with or the person watching or listening to this you know we're normal humans just like you who just want to put aside for the rainy day and and um you know build how we can build so our investment strategy within the business changed a little bit throughout those years right where it became from thriving to surviving and then back to thriving right so you're going to go through those seasons and cycles if you will in any business and i know we got a little bit of time left what is there a right way or a wrong way to invest like what you know what should we be looking at Whew, that's a loaded one <laughs> uh, you can either you can take either direction whatever <laughs> yeah i mean gosh how much time do we have josh no um you know i i think the look i go let's go with the theme of today for somehow we got on it right i think the wrong way to approach anything i mean when's the last time you really like made any big decision in life look, forget money right based on emotion i mean it's not usually going to win out the how you want it to right Sure. So, you know, I think all of us at all times, we have a, a rational brain and, a, and, a, and an emotional brain, like my kids call it their tum tum, right? It's like they feel something and we still do that as adults. So yeah. I think the wrong way to invest is without doing your research, without doing your due diligence, without talking with someone about it, without kind of getting counsel or some sort of accountability partner to walk you through like, hey, have you, or, or some experienced person who's gone through whatever that might look like. I think that can be the wrong way. And the right way is maybe a little bit harder because there's a lot of subjective natures on this and not that there's not subjective on the wrong way, but I would go back to my tried and true, which is just discipline. Whatever you do, whatever you're going to look at for investing, stick it out. You know, don't, don't have the motivational crash, you know, make sure you discern between discipline and motivation and figure out which one it is. You're motivated. Great. Everyone's motivated to go work out and be at the gym. Call me in a year at three o'clock. Back to my analogy, right? Are you still at it? I mean, like, I think that matters. I, I really do. No, that's great. Guys, I hope you guys are listening to what Brad's talking about today. He's sharing some great insights on different ways you can think about money, think about investing. What are you doing today? What should you be doing? 
And are you having somebody help you or are you trying to wing it um, and do it on, all on your own? So go back, listen, watch this again and take those notes, pay attention to what he's talking about and, you know, and reach out and try to find somebody that can help you um, if you need that. We got a couple minutes left, Brad. What's something you're like, oh man, I was hoping Josh was going to talk about this or ask me this that you want to kind of share before we wrap up? Yeah, look, I'm going to go something poignant here and, and this might miss my, you know, tickle some people here but recession look it's been talked about we've been talking about it a lot everyone saw the back of people's minds i might as well talk about it as a financial advisor here's what i want to say whether or not someone agrees that we are in a recession i think we all can realize that we've kind of kind of been in one and of the last six or seven recessions that have been called in the last 40 years all of them have been called in the 11th hour like hey guys by the way we've been in a recession i think it's important right. to remember this okay also the president does not okay decide on this the national bureau of economics research does the nber i know how nerdy that sounds they're the official arbiter point is invest through it stay disciplined dollar cost average where you can live within your means and you'll be fine awesome brad i appreciate it thanks again for coming on making bank just an honor to have you on the show and get some amazing insight from you today josh thanks for having me i appreciate it i am josh felber you were watching making bank get out and be extraordinary Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.